Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Isios. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. If you're new, welcome. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. I appreciate you. You know, I'm, I get to be pretty blessed to talk to some interesting people. Some more on the inspiring side, some on the knowledgeable side. There's all kinds of different conversations that happen here at U of A, right? Lots of different people dropping a lot of value. And sometimes you get these stories that are just just mind-blowing like you you don't even know how it's possible for a human being to endure this many challenges near-death experiences and still be alive and still have a positive mindset and to go out and inspire people by teaching them the lessons that they are meant to teach today's guest has had four near-death experiences one that he ended up being paralyzed from the others all impacted his life but now he's still alive to teach and speak he's also an author of the book called we are all paralyzed the remarkable true story of choosing to live after four life-threatening accidents now my next guest's name is brandon salser although going into this i knew he had a pretty incredible story once we got into it and i heard it and from his own words and his own mouth telling it i was blown away you guys will be too you know i really think his story needs to be heard everywhere and i really believe that it will impact many many people so i hope you guys are ready for a very inspirational episode if you're not into that kind of episode right now maybe go listen to a different one but if you're ready to really, really be challenged and really, you know, hear something incredible that will inspire you, this is the episode for you. Brandon Salser coming right up. And we're on. Brandon, welcome to the show, man. What's up, brother? How are you? <laughs> so good. Glad we got to finally connect. Yeah, yeah, me too. So what's Thanks going on? Me. Yeah, absolutely. What's going on these days? Well, I'm just rolling around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no pun intended for those that don't know me. I'm in a wheelchair, so yeah. I do a lot of rolling around. But I'm doing good. Uh my my book just came out. It's done really well. It's on Amazon, which is cool and and bookstores, but uh just 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 rolling around and and uh trying to motivate people to push forward. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. And you're <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it's, it's close to home for me because one of my best friends was paralyzed in a car accident when we were 19. So, um, it's, I, before we get into all that, let's, well, I want to tap into that and, you know, cause I, 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 I grew up with it and we understood, like, it was very challenging. There were so many challenges and I want to get to present day in just a minute, but before yeah. we get into present day and we can, we can talk about all that, I would love to just give you a little, little bit of insight into the backstory first. So people get some context and then we'll yeah. tie it in all together. Okay. Context. Well, well, if you really want context, I've got to go all the way back to when I was 12, man. 
Yeah, let's do it. That's, that's when my first major adversity hit me. I was involved in a major traumatic brain injury, um, an accident, a freak accident on a mountain bike. And uh, it took me five long years to speak again. I used to stutter horribly. I don't know if you guys remember Porky the Pig, that cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was all about, man. And it really? was tough. Yeah, it was tough. My, by the time I got my words out of my mouth, the conversation would have passed three or four minutes afterwards. So my, my processing was so slow. And uh, it, was, it was so difficult for me because at that time, I just had moved from Colorado to Utah. I was new. And uh, I, knew who I, I, know, I knew who I was on the inside, but I couldn't vocally uh, talk. Mm. And, and, and share, you know, my personality and, and my opinion. And it was, it was tough. And, and that, that one was really hard. Um, I had, uh, I have two titanium plates in my head because of it. I've got a scar from here to there. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a tough one for, for me to, to overcome. And, um, I guess, I guess the one thing that really helped me in that one, if you want to call it that, well, yeah, I will call it that is that it helped me gain appreciation for how valuable being patient is through adversity mm. and being patient with yourself and being patient with God. And, and that was tough for me because, man, I was 12 and, and uh, socially it was hard for me. Um, I remember asking, there was a cute girl that liked me in junior high and you know how junior high is, at least for guys in the States and in school, you know, when a cute girl likes you, you want to, you want to be able to talk, right. And yeah. reciprocate uh, those, those feelings. And, and so I thought, all right, I'm going to ask her to a slow dance. And at junior high, we had what's called stomps where we get together and, and the, there's a DJ there and, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's quite a wild scene. It's like, I compare it to like the ocean where there's a fast song and everyone's just grooving and dancing and everyone's happy and we're mingling. Uh, but once a slow song drops by the DJ, what happens is pure chaos because you see the ninth graders and I was a seventh grader. And so you see these ninth grade boys they are like the sharks of the ocean. Right. Yeah. And so they're, they're, they're asking, you know, the girls, you know, for the dance and, and then the eighth grade boys are like the uh, barracudas. And, and here I am, I was just a minnow. I was a seventh grader and that they couldn't talk and so and the girls don't have it any easier either they're like giant balls of of bait when it comes to a slow song so oh, i've seen I these girls you know going left and right and i'm like all right i've got to ask this cute girl that that i know wants me to ask her and so i went up to her and and i went to to, to ask for a dance and again my my voice was gone I, I i stuttered and i think i said about two words and it took me about a minute and some eighth graders like, dude, this guy's struggling. And so he went up and grabbed her and he had like a bowl cut that said like, don't mess with the meat, don't mess with me type of attitude. And, and I just, uh, I saw her whisked away in the arms of another boy. But the reason why I'm saying this is because it stood out to me in that point of time, I, I, uh, walked out of the gymnasium is where the dance was and held it together. And then I ran to the boy's bathroom with in tears and I remember looking at myself in the mirror, grabbing my head saying, Brandon, you've got to be present. You've got to work with me. And the next thing I thought of is I, I just need to pray. 
so I cut down on my knees and prayed to God. And I was like, God, please just give me a victory. Show me that I can overcome this challenge. And I got back up on my knees. And you know what's interesting that happened is instead of having the anxiety and fear of, of me not being able to speak, I had something completely different. It was love in my heart and love for the opportunity that I had to potentially ask somebody for a dance. And that really resonated with me because I took it as, you know, God saying, never run away from the dance. You know, whenever, whenever you're asked for the dance, take it, take every opportunity as Mm -hmm. a gift. And that really helped me to, yes, I couldn't speak that well, but I took other opportunities to, to, uh, for the dance and, and to extend myself and to grow uh, deeper roots um, in my faith and also in who I was individually, even though most people didn't know that at the time because of my struggles. So that was the first one. And uh, it, it was brutal, dude. It was, it was tough. It was tough. That's tough at that age because kids are so cruel, man. Oh, yeah, man. They, they totally uh, are. Like, 12, yeah. 12, I got bullied when I was 11 or 12. I had moved. Yeah. I, was, I was in this one school and we moved across the country. You know, I was the cool kid in the one school and then we moved across the country and then I was just like the loser and a new kid and yeah. seeing it from that side where I was kind of like almost like the bully before and being taught that lesson of the other side of it was yeah. horrible, man. And, and these kids, like I would never go back to that time. It was so rough the way, no. the way it is. It's true. It was it's so true. It's true. And I remember a kid taking off my baseball cap first day of school and I'm a seventh grader and I'm testing out at that time at a third grade level uh, after my traumatic brain injury. And, and uh, I was wearing a baseball cap and the rules here at school is you can't wear any caps. So I was wearing like a San Francisco giant hat and, and uh, a ninth grader came up and said, Hey, hats aren't allowed, took it off. And he exposed something I was trying to hide. And that was, uh, you know, I had a scar, I had, I had metal staples in my head and man, I looked like Frankenstein and sure enough, that's what everyone called me the first few days is Frankenstein. And that was tough because I, I couldn't fight back either because of my bad traumatic brain injury. I knew that if someone's going to hit me in the head, that could be the last time. And so it taught me not to react, but have patience and, and there's a power of just walking away you know, walking away with your head up and, and uh, choosing your battles wisely. And I had to learn that at a very young age. Well, that's a lot to learn when you're that age, man. There's so much happening. There's, yeah. you know, you're, you're changing, you're becoming a man, you know, true. the girls are developing at high, faster rates. Like it's so confusing. It's yeah, so it confusing. Really is. And, and if you have, say like, you know, problems at home. Like if your parents, most parents were Britain, like my parents were split up and there's all that kind of stuff. So yep. I don't know if you were fortunate enough to have parents at home to come to, that was that good, but a lot of kids didn't, you know? It's true. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I do come from great parents and that is a blessing of mine. And mm. I would go to resource class and I would see other kids there that had different challenges. Like, yeah, single parents, um, just other disabilities, other issues that made me think, you know what, 
we all have our trials to bear. Yeah. You know, no one is immune from difficulty. And I learned that yeah, at, a, at a young age, which I think helped me um, be more grounded. So when the next three major accidents came my way, I was, I was more prepared than most. Yeah. And yeah, uh, back to the parents kind of thing. It's, it's hard because when you're a kid, when they, when, if you do have that base, it's nice, but you know, you, you look at it, I look at it different now than I did then, you know, you almost upset with them for splitting up, but you, now I realize in hindsight, you look at it and they're like, they're just doing their best. They're just adults of, they're just grown up kids essentially. Right. And, and it's tough at that age. And it's, it's great that you had that growing up because that would have been a solid, you would, at least you had that solid base to go home to. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's, you brought up a good point as well because there's always going to be these challenges that we have. Nobody can escape. No, right? it's, no. and the thing is too, Lance is that we can't control these challenges. A lot of them, they just happen. It's part of life, but there's one thing we can control, which I've learned is that it's us. It's, it's what we think. It's what goes in between our, our ears. It's, it's, it's how we, it's how we control those thought processes that, that really determine how powerful we can be. Yeah. Not allowing you know, things that happen to us that are out of our control to affect who we are and, 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 and who, we, who we want to become. Mm. So how did, let's, let's go on the next journey here. So you were, yeah. you're 12 years old, you're going through that, it's tough. You're a teenager, yeah. dealing with all kinds of stuff. Yep. What, 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 was the, what happened next, man? Well, having a traumatic brain injury was difficult because I was very impulsive. Hmm. Um, not only did it affect my speeching and learning, but it affected some of my decision-making. And as a kid that age, you want to be noticed. And I, couldn't, I wasn't being noticed because I couldn't talk. And so I would do things for attention. Um, I would push the edge many times where I would consider myself a storm chaser. And what I mean by that is, I'm sure we've all watched uh, those TV shows uh, that, you know, these professional storm chasers that chase storms, right? Like tornadoes, hurricanes, whatever. And what's interesting about that idea is that at first these storm chasers, they like to view the storm from a distance, but after a while it's not enough. Like they want to get closer and closer and the evolution of that. And I remember one guy or there's been a few, few people that have died from chasing storms. And, but that was the route I was going. I, I, uh, I did things that were always on the edge. Like in high school, I had, uh, we had a snow day and I was pretty upset about that because I thought they would cancel high school. So me and my buddy, we got in our snowmobiles and we went all through town. We went through a drive through at McDonald's on snowmobiles. We, we ran around the uh, Bountiful High High School and totally stopped class in its tracks. And, uh, and then a couple of cop cars came and, and one thing led to another, and uh, it was a high-speed chase. And uh, eventually we got caught, and I had a record, believe it or not. I had, I had a lot of community service, and I found all the ways that uh, you can serve your community with a smile. There's quite a few ways you can serve. And, uh, but I, I, I realized that as I was trying to look for attention and fit in, I was going down this path of being a storm chaser. 
And I knew that my outcome was not the outcome that I wanted. I had to change my life. I, I had to recess who I was. I had to grow deeper roots, more meaningful roots. And, and for me, that was my faith and my belief in God and, and, and really relied upon him for help instead of on my impulsive desires to, to do things that wouldn't help me in the long run. Um, and so when I was a, when I was 18, I just graduated high school and, uh, I was really strong at that time. I was six, two when I'm standing and I was benching well over 300 pounds and just a big guy. And, but what's interesting, Lance is three months before I broke my neck or about four months, I had a feeling inside of my soul that said, Brandon, you need to work out your neck. And to me, I'm thinking, this is nuts. Like, you know, I'm always working out my pecs or my shoulders or my raw card abs, you know, you know, guys are. And, and, uh, but I couldn't leave the gym without working out my neck. And so I asked the instructor, I'm like, Hey, is there anything in this gym that could work out my neck? And he's like, well, he looked at me kind of oddly. And he's like, well, if you're into that sort of thing. And I said, yeah, I think so. And so it was like this medieval contraption where it was like a leather helmet with yeah. these, you know, these, these weights dangling. You've probably seen that. Right. Yeah. And so I did that for four months and, you know, after I broke my neck, which I can tell you about it, that's what saved my life was listening to that small voice, that whispering that we, we all have access to, right? And uh, I'm grateful that I listened to that. So if you want, I can tell you how, how it happened. Uh, oh, please. I'm just, right? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm just trying to process this right now. I'm like, and everybody oh, listening out there, I'm like, whoa, like, uh, dude, it's, just it's thinking crazy. about thinking about that intuition. First of all, that, yeah. you know, hearing that you have an, you're being told by something inside of you to work your neck out. Like that just, and we, we get those impulses all the you time, do. right? Yeah. And how often do we listen to them? It's so true. It's, and, and, you know, to be honest, and we can talk on that topic, you know, after I got injured and everything, sometimes when life was hard, you know, doing my rehab, I sometimes look back at that moment saying, man, maybe I shouldn't have listened because it would have killed me, you know, on, on bad days. But no, I, but in reality, I'm grateful. And, and we all, I believe we all have, you know, the light of Christ within us. We all have access to, to, you know, that inspiration, revelation, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, uh, I was, so I was 18 and speaking was finally coming back and, and I felt like I was myself again. And uh, it felt like I was king of the mountain. And I was dating a great girl and, and getting along with her family. And, and uh, so we decided to go to Lake Powell with her family, my family, a couple of my buddies and their family. We had like 50 people all together. And we went down to Lake Powell, which is for those who don't know who, what Lake Powell is, it's probably the, the most beautiful reservoir in the States. Um, it's all red rock desert landscape and it has, it's just a huge reservoir. And so we went down on a houseboat, had a great time on the second to last day. We went up a Canyon called the Moki Canyon. And this Canyon was known for its large sand hills. And my sister was sitting on my lap and I pointed up at these large sand hills as we're getting closer on the boat. And I said, I'm going to climb that hill. And I'm going to run down and dive into the water. Oh. We got there and 
And we're like, you know, and I was thinking to myself, I'm not going to do anything stupid or crazy because I don't want to get injured. And, uh, and so what most people were doing is they would do what I thought. They would hike up and then run down and then dive into the water. Some were doing somersaults. Some had like snowboards that were skiing down it. Um, some had like a giant water slide. And so there was a lot happening. And so I went up there with my friends where there were three of us and it was like, it was like 105 degrees. And when your toes are in that hot desert sand, you're just dying. So we had to hurry and run down. And as I'm running down, my momentum is catching me and getting closer and closer. And, and I'm seeing my friends right side by side with me and, and they went to go dive head first. And I was about ready, ready to do the same thing but something happened. My legs got tangled up somehow in the sand and I tripped. And just like a long distance runner, uh, you know, tripping across the finish line, I, I knew that I was gonna be short uh, of diving where I wanted to dive. And so I made one final correction and my friends dove head first and made it in the water. I dove, but I didn't make it. And I broke my neck instantly i dove into three inches of water and yeah and it felt like a bolt of lightning struck my body everything went limp and i did like a 360 somersault out of the water and landed like 15 yards farther into uh the lake and you know what the worst part about that was is yeah paralyzed being it's, it's horrible but my family my parents everyone saw that and so here I am in the water, sinking, and I can hear my mom screaming for me. Oh. And he's dying, he's dying, and, and I'm thinking to myself, this is the worst thing I'm ever, this is the worst thing anyone could hear before their death, is having their family scream and cry for you. And uh, it was, dude, it was brutal. Um, what goes through your mind when that happens? I'm, I'm thinking, oh, this is a dream, this is, this is a nightmare. And, and then I just start shaking my head, like wake me up out of the stream. And, and my family saw me and they said, Oh, he's alive. He's alive. Someone grab him, grab him. And my buddy got in the water, flipped me over. But I mean, within seconds, Lance, I've, I lost things that I thought were taking. Well, I lost things that I took for granted being able to, move my fingers, being able to walk, being able to get dressed on my own. Um, there's so many things I took for granted and I lost them within seconds and I didn't realize there were privileges until I lost them. And it was a tough lesson. And, and so here I am, I'm, I'm laying in the water and it's the weirdest feeling to have being trapped into your body. I mean, bodies are, are bodies are our, our temples, right? It's, I mean, bodies bring us happiness and, it gives us, you know, abilities to, to do things. But when you're trapped in your body, it's like you're in, your, you're in a prison you can't get out of. And here I have this big, big, strong body. And I'm looking at my body in the water. It's like, I can't feel anything. I can't move it. I can't even swat the flies off my head at the time. And it was just a foreign, foreign experience. And, and so... We, you know, everyone was praying for me and, and there's these two doctors that saw everything and they happened to be from Colorado. They were ER doctors and 
they, they uh, say, does anyone have a Sharpie? And I think one of my friends, or I think we had one in the houseboat or whatever, grabbed it. And he's like, all right, what we're going to do, Brandon, is we're going to leave you in the water because we don't want your neck to get you know, any more injured than it already is. But we're going to pinch your body. And we're going to start at your toes. And you tell us if you can feel that. If you can't, then we'll, we'll, we'll do a black mark. And we're going to diagnose just how bad you're injured. I'm like, oh, great. So I've got the whole world watching me. It felt like, you know, my girlfriend, she's crying. My mom and dad, my brother, I mean, everyone's bawling. And so the first, the first pinch was they, they pinched my toes. And like, Brandon, can you feel that? And everyone's eyes were glued at my eyes, waiting for the only answer that could make everything okay. And that would be a yes. And I so desperately wanted to say yes, just to relieve their suffering. And... I said, no. So they drew a line. Um, and then I'm thinking, wow, there goes my ability to go mountain biking, running, jogging, playing ball, um, be able to wiggle my toes, be able to move my feet. I mean, just little things. There goes that. And I'm just thinking internally, I'm looking up at this blue sky and I'm just, I'm just crying out to my heavenly father. I'm like, Please save me something. Save me something. And the next one was my waist. Can you feel that? No. And I'm thinking, okay, there goes maybe kids down the road, maybe a wife, my dignity. And it was like a ladder of doom with these black marks going up my body. And the next one was my stomach. Can you feel that? No. There goes my abs. There goes my ability to breathe. There goes, ah, there goes me able to sit up on my own. And I went all the way up to my shoulders. And I'm like, Brandon, can you feel that? And I said, no. And I remember saying out loud, looking up at the sky, I said, I said, dear God, I've lost it all. And I just wept. And um, I was there for about an hour until life light picked me up. And it was so hot in that canyon that I, uh, I couldn't take my mom with me. I, it was just me, a nurse, and, a, and the pilot. And so I'm looking out the window on a stretcher, and I'm basically saying goodbye to a life that I thought I once had, the life that I was hoping for was taken from me all within two seconds. And it was like I was saying goodbye to my old self. And... um I went to a small airport outside of Lake Powell. I was up at um, Hanksville. I waited there, and a little corporate jet picked me up to fly me to Salt Lake City Airport, International Airport, where I'd be operated on at a hospital up there. And we are, we are, you know, we're just leaving, and we took off. And about ten minutes into the flight, I'm in a really bad place. A lot of darkness in my soul, and I'm just, I'm just mad. I'm just sad, and. And I'm thinking to myself and I'm praying. I'm just like, God, I don't think life can get much worse than this. And it's amazing what happened afterwards. And this is, this is no joke. Right when I thought that a bolt of lightning struck the airplane, I guess we were flying into a thunderstorm. It scared me, scared the nurse working on me. The pilot, you know, turned his head around and said, oh, it happens. We're okay. 
But I thought, well, maybe that's his way of saying, you know, Brandon, I got you. Don't worry about it. It can be worse. I got your back. And I just, to me, it was like a, it was a sign. Um, but yeah, man, I, you know, I had surgery and, and uh, it was hard. I, I went, when they rushed me into surgery, the, the only answer that I was, you know, my last grasp of hope was talking to the surgeon. And I, I said, hey, you're going to fix this, right? And he looked at me and, and he said, Brandon, I'm sorry, but there's no fixing this. And he's literally putting me asleep as I'm crying, thinking, well, there's no fixing this. I don't want to wake up. And, uh, it's, you know, and it was tough, man. It was, it was really tough. I, uh, the, first, the first few nights were, were really scary. Um, I remember one night in, in particular where I was literally on life support for, for breathing, eating, everything. And there was all these medical devices hooked up to me and beeping, and it was just scary. And I'm all alone. And um, I knew that I had to make a choice right then and there that I would always look back to, you know, for eternity, saying that's where I made the choice to choose to live. And what I mean by that is, so I'm all alone. And I wanted, I wanted God to know that I wasn't going to give up. And more importantly, that I wasn't going to give up. And so I couldn't even sing because I couldn't breathe, you know. And, and, and uh, so I mouthed the words of a church hymn that I love. It's, come now fount of every blessing. And it talks about... Um, talks about a wandering heart and how my heart does not want to wander away from, from God. And, and it talks about raising an Ebenezer and I loved hiking camping. And so I knew what Ebenezers were. How many of you guys, when you're camping in Lance, you can probably talk to this as well. When you're walking up a, you know, a peak, you see these stack of rocks, right? Mm. And that is, that is somebody's Testament saying I made it. I was there. Yeah. Well, I wanted to stack my Ebenezer and that's why I love the song. Cause it talks about that. And I wanted to raise my Ebenezer saying, this is where I made the choice to fight and to have faith and whatever comes, what may, you know, Lord, I'm just, I'm my life's in your hands because my life, the life, the life, the life that I wanted is still in Lake Powell. And I said goodbye to that. So, Lord, this is your will. You tell me where to go. And uh, that's kind of how I looked at things. Whoa, man. It's probably the most powerful story we've had on the show, man. I'm just like, I, I'm just like absolutely, how you tell the story, man. It's, <laughs> wow. Uh, well, um, it's... Thanks, man. And yeah, it's I, that's just two of them. There's two other ones. <laughs> oh man, I I don't even know how to unpack that because that just the detail in and I was I literally man I literally felt and all you guys listening out there I know everyone's thinking the same. We literally felt like we were there with you, like the way you tell that story and the thought of that happening so fast and instantly and things feeling like they've been taken away and yeah. not 
knowing how to process that and just it happening so fast. I, I don't know how you, like, it's really hard to put perspective into that when it actually happens, you know, like, because it's one thing to, to think about it, but it's another thing to be in those, in those shoes. It's, it's every day is a fight. I have to choose to live. When, when did, okay. So obviously that's a terrible thing. Very hard to accept. Yeah. But how long did it take you before you were like, okay, I accept this and I have to move on. Or were you going back over and over? Like, you know, because for me, if that would have happened at that age, I would have just over, I would have thought it over and over and not accepted that it happened. And I would have just tried to like convince myself over and over. I want this back. I want it back. And I wouldn't have accepted it. And, and how long, cause I think most people would, it's so hard to say, Whoa, I, this has happened. Now I have to do yeah, my man. best to move on and accept that this has happened. How long did that take before you, you had that? I, I mean, yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I'm just thinking it, it probably took me at least two to three years. Truthfully. Yeah. Where, you know, cause I kept on going back. I, I kept on looking back. You know, I just wanted that back. And the problem that I found, it was a couple of them. One was, is, and this is often the case with many people who, who are paralyzed. They fight and claw, and, claw and, and, and just fight as hard as they can to reclaim that freedom back. And for me, it was every day going to rehab every day kicking my butt, you know, crying and, and just, and just trying to wake up a body that refuses to wake up. And about the second year into it, something hit me. Here I was in this gym, which phenomenal gym, by the way, I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about working out, but here we were. And I, I had to stop and I looked at everybody in that gym and there was about 20, 20, 20 or more of, of stories like me that were there. There were guys that were injured a lot, lot longer than I was just recently. Boys, girls, men, female, you know, just the whole, everyone in life that, that, was, that were paralyzed, they would go to these gyms. And they would show up each day thinking to themselves, today would be the day that the lights would come back on, that I'm going to walk again. But something really spoke to me one day. And I'm all about being independent. And I'm looking at all these people and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, dear Lord, we're all focusing on the wrong thing. Like, I, I suddenly saw a room full of untapped potential from myself, from these individuals, because they were focusing on trying to regain something that Maybe it wasn't in the cards, but they were ignoring their other potential. Like yeah. a job, going to school, being independent in other ways. And I realized that I, I, I can't pigeonhole myself into just wanting to reclaim what I've lost. I still have a lot to gain. So that day, I, I, I said to my therapist, I said, 
I love you guys. You guys have worked so hard with me and I appreciate it, but I have to push forward. I have to be independent and I'm not getting it here. Not just because the physical independence isn't coming. I can still be independent, you know, with an education, with a job. I, I have to move forward. I can't be stuck in time. And they said, you know, they understood and off I went. And so that was one moment where I made the decision. Another one was is when I was fishing in Alaska out of all places where I was, uh, my, my vocabulary at the time was very, very negative. You know, I, I would always tell my dad and my parents, I can't catch a girlfriend. I can't get dressed. I can't drive. There was a lot of can'ts in my vocabulary. My dad's like, hey, man, let's, let's, uh, let's take you up to catch a can Alaska and see if you can catch a king salmon. And my dad, what makes you think I'm going to even catch a king salmon? I can't even catch a break. And anyway, the long story on that is on the second to last day, we fished hard every day. None of us caught a salmon out of, out of the five people that were with me. And, you know, I'm, the captain's rolling in the lines. And um, I'm like, see, Dad, nothing works out. It's just another something I can't catch. And the captain saw that, and he's like, Brandon, as long as you're on this boat, we're putting your five fishing rods back in. I'm like, all right. And so 15 minutes afterwards, my rod starts bouncing up and down. And uh, the captain said, this is a king on your, on your line. I'm like, great. And so he grabs me the, the rod. And, and for those of you, I'm a quadriplegic, and so I can't move my fingers. And so my grip is very limited. And so I grabbed the rod and I grabbed the reel. And I'm struggling. It felt like the rod was literally slipping through my fingertips. And to be honest with you, at the time, so was my life. I felt like letting go of everything, the rod, the reel, the fish, and my life, and just giving up because everything was so hard. And, and uh, you know, my dad's screaming at me in a, you know, in a good way because he didn't want me to lose the fish, and the captain was. And then again, I just had one of those moments where – I just blocked it all out and I looked up at the sky and I was like, God, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm at my, I can't hold on any longer to my life. And to be honest with you, how many of us have felt that way? Mm-hmm. And, and so about four or five seconds after that, I had a feeling to look over to my right and I saw a roll of duct tape that was in the cubby of this boat and I knew what I had to do. I had to duct tape my hand to the rod and the reel. And that's what, it was the bonding power of that duct tape that enabled me to, to catch this king salmon an hour later. But it taught me a lesson that all of us, no matter how strong we think we are in life, when we face adversity, we're not going to be strong enough to hold on. And it's what you reach for that will determine the success in life you have to, you know, that enables you to hold on to life. And it was that duct tape. And I think what I was supposed to learn on that experience was I need to surround myself with things that are uplifting. If I'm holding on to anger, if I'm holding on to my past, I've got to let that go because it's sinking me. I've got to hold on to something that's going to bond my grip closer to my goals. And I learned that we're only as good as the values you hold on to. And that little lesson really changed the way I looked at, okay, if what, I, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing, is that going to give me the duct tape I need to hold on to life and to catch my goals? 
because Lord knows uh, having a negative attitude and, and, and being sorry all the time uh, doesn't do anything for us because, you know, it, it seems like every time we base our happiness on our circumstances, it's a failure because our circumstances can always be better. And we shouldn't base our happiness ever on our circumstances based upon who you are and what you hold on to. And that was the lesson there. And, and so that's what kind of changed things. And, and then, you know, I went, I went to school. I, I got my master's degree out of all places. I mean, out of all things, uh, especially having a traumatic brain injury, which is a miracle and became a counselor. And, and before I had my job, I went four wheeling and that's when I froze to death. Um, and that was horrible. How did you develop such amazing self-awareness though? This is, I mean, because you're yeah. telling me these things and do you think that that has to do with being connected to God? And because you're very aware, like just saying what you were saying about how you're learning a lesson from this, from this fishing, this fishing situation. Yeah. Most people wouldn't learn a lesson there, right? Sure. How did you develop that self-awareness, man? Because that, that is so key to everybody realizing where they're at to even be able to make a change and move forward, right? Yeah, you're right. You're, you're exactly right. Um, I think it just came from trial and error with me. I, I, people are always wondering, where is God in their lives? And, and for me, I, I just had to stop and look for it. And you'll be amazed to see these little lessons. You're like, you know what? That was an answer. That, that, that was, I mean, that duct tape was always there for me. And it's like for us, mm. we have these people that help us. They're always there for us. They were put in your path, mm. not just by circumstance, but by God, I believe. And, 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 so, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's having these experiences. And of course, for me, it's the scriptures too. It's like, you know, one of my favorites is in Second Timothy, and it talks about uh, uh, for God. It's God hath given, uh, forgive me, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And and it's like, all right, I'm gonna kick the fear out and just embrace, you know, love and and try to have a sound mind because, dude, if I didn't, my life would have ended a long, long time ago. Yeah, and I think. I think being able to, because even trying to figure out what the scriptures mean some of the times is kind of where you develop that. It's true. Because, you know, you read some of them and it's like, whoa, what does that even mean? So to be able to sort of unpack a scripture would allow you to be able to unpack a life situation better as well. I would think that's just coming to me now. I'm thinking, huh, okay, that makes total sense. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Like even when I'm struggling, you know, I'm thinking of that, you know, that scripture where it says I can do all things, you know, through Christ, which strengthens me. I mean, just these little postcards that I hang on to of, of quotes yeah. Our our thoughts, Lance, they have creative powers. Like we are what we think. And yeah. if I don't have those things in my mind, what's if, if I don't put them in there, the thing that's going to be in my mind is my life is hard. I want to give up. I'm sick of it. And that's just, you know, that's not going to get me anywhere. No, no. Wow. So that we're only on two. 
Yeah, dude. Um, or we're on the third, the third, I've gone on the third one. <laughs> and and this, this, one was, this is, dude, this is powerful stuff, man. This is like, I was almost, you're telling me that bro. I almost had a tear in my eye. I was trying to hold back because like, I, I was just like, totally, you're, you're the way you tell the story, man. I'm just, I'm blown away right now. So uh, that's yeah. kind of you. Thank you. Please, please continue because this is okay. Amazing. <laughs> so, uh, I, I just got my master's degree from the same university was university, of Utah, the same university that said, no, dude, you don't have good enough grades to make it. And, uh, cause you know, I, I show up there and I'm like, Hey, I want to go to school here. I'm like, great. So where's your ACTs and the tests you have to take to, you know, get into college. And I'm like, what are ACTs? I didn't take it. And I would just, you know, with my head accident, I just, that was college wasn't in the plan for me because I just didn't have the, the mental capacity. And, and she goes, well, you haven't taken your ACTs? I said, no, no, I haven't. What do I need to do? She goes, oh dear, I'm sorry, but you can't go to any college here. The major ones here in Utah. I'm like, what? And I go, okay, what do I have to do? And she's like, you got to retake a lot of your schooling through these junior colleges, a lot of your high school credits and stuff. I'm like, all right. So that's the route I went. And then I eventually got accepted uh, to that. And there's a lot of lessons I learned through that. But, but on, on, on this accident, um, as part of, my, a part of my graduation gift, I had um, a side-by-side ATV that I put hand controls on. And I love the mountains. I, nothing makes me feel closer to God than being in his playground, you know, and and for me, I needed to go in the mountains just to kind of assess where I'm sorry, access, right. um, you know, where my life is heading. And so I, I got hand controls I made it street legal. And I had this five harness strap that um, enabled me to have the upper body mobility to drive. And so my parents put me in and I said, all right, guys, I'll, I'll be back in two hours. And I said, great. And so I went up to the mountains and I live just right below these beautiful, it's, it's called the Wasatch Front. And some peaks are as high as 10,000 feet. And it's, it is beautiful. And so I went up there and just was enjoying life. And I got back there a little too far. And there was a fork in the road. Do you, do you remember that, that quote by, oh, God. It's that quote that says, when there's a fork, fork in the road, take it. Who's that by? It's, anyway, it's a famous quote. And there's a fork in the road. And I, I looked at it. And I'm like, okay, if I go on the right one, that'll take me home. If I go the left way, I, don't know, I have no idea where it goes. So I'm going to take it. So I took it. And it was a horrible death trap. I went down there. And I went down about 200 yards. And suddenly the trail stopped and it turned into an ATV trail to make matters worse on the end of the trail where it stops, there was a 400 foot cliff right on the edge. And so I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, how am I going to turn around? And so I just barely had enough room to turn around. I used all the strength I could muster with being a quadriplegic to turn that thing around. And it was a steep road. And so I knew to get back up the hill, I had to press on the gas. And on the hill, there was just a strand of aspen trees um, that were just right above where the cliff was on the side. And, and so 
you know, so I, I went up the hill and I'm going up there and I'm about halfway up and suddenly the two front wheels of my ATV pops up in the air and it throws me back into my seat where I let go of my hand control that's in charge of the, bra- uh, the brake and the gas. And uh, suddenly I start rolling backwards and I try to slam on the brake and the gas. And by then it was too late. The momentum was taking me and, and I flipped on my side and I'm upside down, hanging upside down. And I'm getting ready to go over this cliff. And I'm just thinking, okay, so I'm going to die. And suddenly I slide off the road and then I stop and I hear two or three loud cracking noises. And I realize is that my ATV went into those strand of aspen trees that, that kept me from not going over the cliff. And so I screamed out in excitement, like, thank you, thank you, I'm alive. And, and I was so happy because of it, because I knew that was for sure death. And so I, I look around and I have the lanyard around my neck where I had my phone. And that's the first thing I grabbed. I was like, okay, I just need to call somebody. And the stupid lanyard got detached from me. It was three feet away from me on the ground. And I couldn't grab it. <laughs> it was so frustrating. Like if I wasn't paralyzed, I'd grab it and call for help. I couldn't even grab that. And so I waited for about an hour, prayed for somebody to come. No one came. Two hours went. Nobody came. Three hours went. And the only thing that came was a lightning storm. And it came up and over the ridge. And I was about 9,800 feet um, up on this mountain. And it started to, I guess it was a cold front that blew in. And it started to snow a little bit. And I had shorts on, short sleeve shirt. It was, a, it, was a, it was June 30th when it happened. It was a beautiful day. And uh, I started to freeze to death. And my prayers quickly changed, um, thinking that surely I'm going to die here. And then at that time, a bunch of red ants started to climb over me. I guess when I rolled over the edge, uh, it, must, it must have tore open a red ant hill. And so these little stupid things are crawling all over me. And they're like basically saying, Brandon, we're just going to harvest you once you die. So don't, don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, this is great. And, and so my prayers changed from not being saved from somebody, but being saved before I actually die. You know, I'm, I'm going through that whole thing where, you know, my things I could have done better in life and things I wish I wouldn't have done. And, you know, I'm just kind of recounting the story of my life at that time, knowing that I'm dying. And I was. And I would go in and out of consciousness because my, my organs would slowly freeze. And every time I'd wake up, I'd gasp for air. And, and it got to a point there where I was suffering so badly. The pain was so, so severe that I had this really dark thought come to my mind and basically said, Brandon, just hold your breath and end it. You're going to die. Why keep on fighting? And I'm like, all right, that sounds good to me. And so I took one last gulp of air and promised myself I would never breathe again. And so I did. And I was just on the edge of dying. And so I knew it wouldn't take long. And, and I was holding my breath for, I don't know, it seemed like an eternity, but three minutes, four minutes at that time, I have no idea, probably longer. And I'm about ready to cross over. I can just feel my, my spirit leaving my body. And, and suddenly I had this audible, to this day, Lance, I don't know if it was a, something I heard with my ears or felt with my soul. 
but it was a distinct impression on words that said, Brandon, breathe. This is not your call. This is mine. And it shook me and it woke me up out of this slumber. And for the next five minutes, I'm fighting just to breathe again, breathe again. And I probably held on for another 45 minutes, maybe. And then the last words I remember saying is, God, take me or save me. I can't hold on any longer. And the next thing I know, I wake up a day and a half later in intensive care at a hospital in Salt Lake City. And I woke up and I see all these nurses and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm alive. I'm alive. How did you find me? And the whole story of how they found me, they, my, my parents, out of all things, they were going to a, a funeral um, and they knew I wasn't back and my parents were about ready to leave the house. And then my mom felt moms and their intuition, right? They, they, they really know when their kids are, are in a bad spot and, and I'm thankful that she did. And maybe that was part of my prayer. You know, I was praying for someone to save me and maybe my mom needed to feel that. And so she called, uh, the search and rescue department. There was, I don't know, probably 200 people all together looking for me up and down the Wasatch front. And they themselves were getting hypothermia and they were about ready to cancel off the whole thing. And this one guy is way back in there and, and he had a feeling that he should go down this other road and he did. And that's when he found me. When he found me, my heart wasn't beating. He said that I was 73 degrees, which is insane. I mean, we've all had fevers that are 104 and I mean, that's, that's not too far away from our average temperature, which is like 98 degrees. And so that's how cold I was. And, and he thought I'm dead. And so he took off my clothes and said, yeah, we, we found him, but it's too late. But he just had a, a distinct impression. And I'm grateful for it to pray, to pray for me. And he did. And there was a, a guy that flies jets for he'll we have a Hill Air Force Base here. He was one of them that was there. And, and he said what they witnessed after that was a miracle because they, they said after we got done praying for you, your heart started to come back again. And it just started to slowly beat. But it was so weak, we knew that we couldn't even pick you up or put you on our ATV to take you out of there because of the bumpy road would have, would have killed you. And so they tried to get a life flight helicopter in there. And the weather was so bad that they couldn't even get that helicopter so they asked an old Vietnam War helicopter pilot that worked for the uh, highway patrol here in Utah, and he was able to land his helicopter, and that's how they rescued me. And, and so the moral of the story that I learned was when there's a fork in the road, don't take it. That's like the worst thing you could do. For me, I've learned that, especially when you're struggling through, the, when you're struggling through darkness and you're looking for a path, take the path that leads you home. And it's like, if I would have just had taken the path that led me home, I wouldn't have froze to death. I wouldn't have died. And it's like, how many times do we in life take a path where a path that we shouldn't go that doesn't lead us towards our goals, doesn't lead us towards home, wherever home may be for you. If it's to your God, to, to your job, to your family, always take the path that leads you home. Mm. And, uh, I've, uh, you know, it's one of those lessons that I had to learn the hard way on that one. 
And sometimes we know that path isn't the right one, yet we still take it. It's true because it's, you just never know. It's, it's, uh, yeah, we, we always like to take the risk and, and, but yeah, so that, that, that was that one. And, um, Those, the, I got super uncomfortable thinking about the ants, the red ants, bro. Oh, dude. You're literally, you're able to, your storytelling is very, very, very good. And to be able to like, I I just felt like I was there with you again, man. And and like, just imagining the feeling that you must have been having. And, and I just I can't even I don't understand I don't understand, I can't even fathom it, man. Like, oh uh, well, just, it's I can't either, Like it's just like hearing that. It's like how is <laughs> this even? How did you even get out of that? Like I I just I'm still, I, I <laughs> wow. I have no idea. Like the doctors looked at me and like, Brandon, your, your name's going to be in the, in the journals of medicine. Like, like no one has come back from me in 73 degrees and you know, they're doing all these tests and they think it's probably because maybe my feeling isn't very good and the rest of my body, but there's, they just oh. can't figure it out either. Like what in the world? But oh. I agree. Like I'll wake up some days and I'll just shake my head. Like, I can't believe I'm alive. <laughs> I, yeah, it's wow. So that's why I wrote a book. We're all paralyzed. Is this story needs to be told because for some reason, I guess I just, you know, heaven doesn't want me for some reason. They keep on, you know, they keep well, on. You, man, you gotta, you, 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 this, this, this will inspire so many people though, man. We need you on this planet. Like this is, these are the things like you're, they, people need this story. And I feel grateful to have you on here to be able to share this with people because this is powerful. And this is why you're still here. I believe man is like to share this because there's so many ungrateful people about their lives and, and, and they have, they have it so good. And even for myself, I just, I have to really take that, sit back and be grateful for what I have. And everybody listening, you guys can understand this. It's like, you, you have to be grateful for the things that you have in your life. You have yeah. to appreciate your legs, your arms, your ability to communicate, your ability to think. There's so many things to be grateful for. You're right. You're you right. Know? And and you know what's weird? I mean, it's not weird at all, but it's it's a lesson I've had to learn that the bulk of who I am is from the very results that I would wish away. Really. Yeah. Like that's what's made me who I am. Yeah, it's, and, it's crazy, right? But I always hear the cliche when you hear people like, you know, if you go back in time, would you, would you take it back? You know, people are like, no, I want to take it back for me. Heck yeah. I would take it back. Of course. Every day is a struggle, but I would be naive to say that it has not made me into a better person. And I'm grateful for that. And, but here's another, I mean, it's still our choice. It's where we can either be bitter or better. And it's like, you have, we have the free agency to decide in every situation we're in. Yeah, we can't always control it, but we can control how we choose to react to it. And I've had to do that because if not, I'm, I'm a nutcase. Yeah. If not, because everything's tough. So the, okay, you survived that. Yeah. And you're getting through. <laughs> you're learning this stuff. People, yeah, yeah. You're blowing people's minds all over the place. Walk us through the next bit of oh, your man. journey, man, because this okay. is just... <laughs> All right. So uh, I was working for five years as a counselor at Intermountain Medical Center 
It's a major neural rehab. And I was counseling, serving as a peer mentor for those individuals going, individuals going through a life-changing either diagnosis or an accident such as mine. And so it was a place where, it was a place where I could go where my weakness could be a great strength for others. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's like, you know, the person that you might advert your eyes away from on the street might just be your biggest ally the next day. And that's who I was because, you know, people, when they see me in a wheelchair, they don't often know how to react sometimes. And so they'll advert their eyes away, but the very next day it could be them that breaks their neck Uh, and I will become their biggest ally and they have no idea. And so here I was working at a place like this after someone had just become paralyzed. And once I rolled into their room, they felt instantly understood. And instead of having a a doctor or a nurse or a counselor telling them how they feel, I roll in there and was like, dude, I know how you feel. I've been there. And so they felt instantly understood. And so it was a good place for me and I enjoyed it and, and um, learned a lot of great lessons through that, which a lot of those stories are in the book as well. But um, as I was going to work one morning, it was in December, we just had a, a pretty good snowstorm that, that morning. And my mom said, Brandon, I wish, you didn't, I wish you didn't have to go to work. The roads are bad. And I said, Mom, I've got to. I've got to. You know, I, I have to. These people depend on me. And so I get into my truck I was driving at the time. And, and the roads were significantly better than they were in the morning. And, and I felt pretty safe. And so I'm going about 50 miles an hour, which isn't real fast. I mean, the average speed limit here in Utah is 75 miles an hour. So, you know, I was going slower and I'm going southbound on the highway and suddenly out of the right corner of my eye, I see a car going northbound on a southbound highway and it hits me head on. And I'm thinking, this is a widow maker move. Like who, like what's going on? And, and I, I tried to swerve and I couldn't because there's a car on my right side and I was going to swerve on my left, but I noticed up ahead, there was a car accident and I was afraid I was going to kill, you know, the paramedics or the cops that were attending to that accident. And so I knew how to hit her head on, hit the car head on. And it totaled my car and it totaled my face. The airbag went off and I had this, I had like this quad peg that goes around my wrist that I can use to, to drive my steering wheel. Well, that darn airbag, once that exploded, it took off that peg and it was like a missile and hit me straight in the nose and face, shattered all my facial bones. And I'm just dazed, like I just got hit by Mike Tyson or something, and I'm just dazed, and they're bleeding everywhere. It's not a, not a pretty thing, and seeing, and, and I'm um, you know, finally coming to, and I'm realizing that my truck is still rolling forward, and it veered off to the left, and I'm gonna be hitting paramedics, cop killing people, and which I didn't wanna do, and so I tried to correct it as best as I could, and I did, and, and I smashed into a corner of um, a tow truck. And that tow truck came in again, hit me really good, and it was about maybe five inches, six inches away from decapitating me um, through my car, through my truck. And I got the photos on my website. They're, they're, they're nasty uh, with that accident. But 
So what happened was uh, I broke my nose in eight different places and I shattered all of my facial bones, many of which had to be taken out and replaced. You can't tell by looking at you though, man. You look- Yeah, they did a good job. But what's amazing is that they detached my eye um, tendon. I would have never thought that. Down the eye. And then that's where they made the incision. So you don't see a scar at all. You can't see anything. I know, it is nuts. I was so grateful because I, I was worried that, oh, I'm going to be Scarface, you know, and I didn't want to, be, didn't want to have, have another scar. And, but um, it was funny because, like, uh, I called my mom, and I'm telling my mom I love her because they're bleeding everywhere, and I, I had no idea if I hit, you know, my head accident, if I damaged my head again with the plates that are there. And so I didn't know if these were going to be my last words. And so I, I put it on speakerphone, and, and the paramedics came, and, and they tried to open the door, and they couldn't because it was so smashed and they cut it out and then they opened the door and I look at him. I said, guys, I think I need to go to the hospital. And they're looking at my face like, Oh yeah, you do. And then I said, Oh yeah. And then I need your help because I can't walk. And they look at themselves and the cops are like, Oh my gosh, not only is his face smashed, but he he's paralyzed too. And I realized what they're thinking. They're thinking that I, that I can't walk from the accident. Like, no, 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 no guys. This isn't my first rodeo. I was already paralyzed. <laughs> you know, I'm already paralyzed. I'm just saying I can't walk. I need your help to get out. And like, and that, that, that even made him more confused because they're like, okay, then how are you driving then? If you can't move your legs. But I was like, you know, guys, just, I had my wheelchair in the back of the truck that they didn't notice and they grabbed that. And anyway, so that was my fourth accident. And, but unfortunately with that one, um, the rehab took so long and I got weaker and, and I wasn't able to return back to work. And so I lost my job. And that was, that was tough. Wow, man. Wow. So, wow. How long ago was that, the last one? Oh, man. How long ago was that? Five, five years ago? So, no, no, it was longer than that. I was, it was when I was 34. And I just, yeah, I just turned 40. So, okay. yeah, it's been it's about six. So, what, what's been going on since? Tell us how you got through all that, man, and what you're up to now, because this is like, yeah, um, this has just blown my mind. I need to, like, after this, I need to sit and process this, because this is just <laughs> like, wow. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I just try to wake up every day and, and, and see how I can push forward. And I, it's still the same principle with me. You either push forward or you roll backwards. That's the, that's the only two directions I can go. And so, I choose to push forward. And so I wrote a book and, you know, it's, I'm thankful that it's, that, that it's done well and people have enjoyed it. I, I, am a speaker as well. I speak about my, my, uh, my adversity and, um, if it's to businesses or youth groups or whoever it may be. And, and I, I found, I find a lot of enjoyment out of that and, and sharing that message to help people. And, uh, that's why I'm speaking to you, Lance is because, you know, you have such a great platform and, and what you do, I, I, you know, I, I love because it talks about people overcoming adversity. And, and I thought, yay, man, let's, uh, let's talk about mine. And, and so, I'm so, know, that's, that's I'm, what I try to do. Man, so. I'm so blessed to have you on the show today because this was just, this was so, so powerful. And you can, there's so many lessons that people can learn from this. Yeah. Like, I, I was going to say, you, you, you must be a speaker because you, you have to tell that story. You need to be on all the, po- all the big podcasts, man. Like, um, oh, that story needs to be heard everywhere. Like, and, like, there's no doubt. There's not many stories that will top that. 
or like an inspiring story of how somebody can overcome challenges and adversity, man. That is just absolutely, <laughs> I just, Thanks. I'm lost for words, man. Usually I, I can articulate better today. I, I was just like, wow, like I'm still shocked um, that you're able to be so positive about it. And so you're able to look at it as, and you were able to take these lessons out of it. And like I said, aware earlier, be self-aware. And that's the whole, that's the whole key to everything is like, if you take things as a lesson and, and, and you're not the victim, yep. you know, it's so hard because we all want to be victims in these situations, the circumstances, but we can't, you have to learn and be empowered by them. You're right. And that's the easiest move to make is to be a victim. It's so easy. It's yeah. natural for us. And, but you have to choose to be an asset, not a liability. And I've always thought, I don't want to be a sad case in a wheelchair. I, that's not who I am. That's not how God made me. That's yeah. not what God wants out of any of us. And so you have to choose to be an asset. And, and we, all, we all have our unique gifts and we all have our unique weaknesses. And, and you know, we're all in this together. And, and you know, we all can learn from each other. And, and hopefully, hopefully uh, those who are listening have, have learned uh, somewhat, somewhat about life and 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 how to move forward and 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 how to seek happiness through even the most difficult of challenges yeah because like i was saying earlier one of my best friends you know we were 19 and he was you know the the best athlete the every girl wanted him like every girl like he's just like the tom cruise of our i i mean we all idolized him and i still like he's so he's he he's you know, one of my greatest friends I've ever met in my life. And I just, I look back and when that happened, it's just how that was taken away. Yeah. You know, I remember the summer we'd all go out and party and I went away to play hockey that year. And it was after like a day after my birthday, we got the news, he got in a car accident and it just changed everything. And mm. he's just had to battle through so much. And hearing you talk about this, it's, it, it's very close to home. And it's, it's just so hard for me to put myself in that situation because I don't know what it looks like, but I, it's just seeing how the challenges that he had to overcome and how he's had to learn and watching him, how much better he's got at feeding himself and, and his, yeah. you know, using the remote control and moving around and using his phone. I'm just like, how do you even do that? Like he's hardly got any move. Like he can't, and he's been able to do this and that's so impressive. And, and, and just seeing that and then hearing your story, it's just like, wow, man. Like it's those little things that, that you work on and overcome. And it's just, it's so inspiring, man. Like, Oh, thank you. It's wow. Thank you. And I wish, wish the best for your friend too. It's sounds like he's doing a great job and yeah. He's, and uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's interesting because there, there's a quote that I love to say is fortunes are often born out of misfortunate beginnings because growth and comfort cannot coexist. And, and it's, it's true. It's like, when you go through hard things, it, it kind of squeezes the artificialities out of life. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what is life about? And if I'm not strong enough, I've got to start changing the way I'm acting and doing things so I can, you know, I, I can help overcome whatever challenges that are presented. And that's why fortunes are made out of misfortunate beginnings because they make us change, change yeah. into somebody better. Well, well, the thing too is that you're using that to inspire people and tell your story. And I've been, I want to encourage him to do the same, you know, because 
I, I just think it's been, it's tough, but I've been pushing him. And, you know, when he listens to this, he knows, you know, I really want, I'd love to have him on the show too. And it's, it's because yeah. the, the more you share the better, it, it, the, I know it is when the more you share your story, the easier it is to heal inside, right? The more so you to tell your, your story and allow the world to kind of hear it from your, from your heart allows you to heal better and that people can feel that energy. And then it's just like this beautiful thing that happens. So true. So, yep. Well, man, so your book, we're all paralyzed. The remarkable true story of choosing to have, so say that at choosing to have live for life threatening accidents. That's correct. Yep. That's a mouthful. Yep. I couldn't, I couldn't read my own writing. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's on, uh, Amazon, the auto book is on Amazon and then it's in other bookstores, but Amazon's probably the easiest place for your audience to, to, to grab a hold of it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a crazy story and I'm just glad I'm alive to tell it. Well, um, we're gonna make sure to have that in the show notes so people can get it and click on it. And where else can we find you, man? Yeah. Uh, feel free to follow me on Facebook, Brandon Solser, follow me on Instagram, uh, same name. Uh, my website is brandonsolzer.com. Um, give me a shout out and, uh, yeah, we'd love to, uh, would, would love to, yeah, I, I'm always posting motivational and, and just news and, and just things that, that, that touch my heart and hopefully it helps you as well. So awesome, man. Well, again, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I don't want to take up my too pleasure. much more of your time. It's uh, time flies when you're uh, getting into a good story, um, inspiring oh, story like that. So yeah, bro. Thanks so much. And I, you know, I, I'm excited to see you continue to inspire and make sure you get on as many shows and share that man, because that is, that is super powerful. Uh, thanks brother. Appreciate it. All right. Brandon Solser, everybody. Thanks everybody, man. So, so crazy. That story, such an awesome guy. He tells it so well. And I was, I was getting pretty emotional listening to that. So I'm sure you guys did as well. If you guys got value from that, take a screenshot, tag us both on social media, um, hit him up and tell him you heard his story because he would love that. And these stories, I, I believe this particular story needs to be heard everywhere. He needs to get on podcasts. He needs to get, this story needs to be pushed because it's, it's incredibly inspiring. And I really, really enjoy talking to Brandon. So go get his book too. It's amazing. He's um, just just an inspiring guy. I can't say enough good things about himself. Anyways, guys, as always, if you can, please subscribe. Leave us a review. Um, let us know what you thought. All that good stuff. Share it with a friend. Text a friend. Let's Let's blow this thing up. As always, I appreciate all of you so much. Have an amazing day, guys. We'll catch you next time.